Welcome to Kiss and Tel Aviv, where we put the love in Tel Aviv. I'm your host, Margot, and this is Tel Aviv's first and only dating, sex, and relationships podcast. And my goodness, it's been a while. If you go back and look at the last episode that I uploaded of Kiss and Tel Aviv, entitled, How Long Should You Wait to Sleep with a Guy?, You'll notice it was uploaded on October 6th. That was a Friday. That seems like the last day that I felt like a human. That seems like the last day of the life that I once knew. That seems like it was a lifetime ago. That seems like I was living on another planet in another dimension. Because it was, we all were, everything changed that very next day. I remember that last Friday before everything changed and I was so excited because I was finally feeling like I was in a groove. I finally felt like I was uploading lots of content I was really proud of. I finally felt like I was so excited because I had just added video to the podcast, which had been on my 2023 list of goals for months. I was on a roll. I remember going to get my nails done that day and coming home and uploading that video and just feeling so excited. It took a lot for me to record the video part of that podcast and get it up. There was so much tech that went into it. I was so excited. I had finally figured it out. And that was like the last time I felt excited about the podcast at all up until today, up until sitting down to record right fucking now. I could not bring myself to sit down and record an episode of this podcast. I just couldn't. I know that all of us have been experiencing a level of loss and trauma that is so fucking deep. And some of us were the lucky ones. We're the ones whose family are safe and sound, who we're safe and sound. But still, if you know what it's like to be part of Am Israel, part of this people, you know that when one of us bleeds, we all bleed. And on that day, our lives changed forever. And since then, I haven't been able to think about dating, about life before October 7th. I just, I pressed pause I pressed pause. I knew I would come back to this podcast though. And right before October 7th, I was pretty consistent. I was uploading an episode every single week. And there have been hiatuses here on the podcast before that I've taken. And this one was definitely the most intense and I think understandable. The new year has come. I just spent three and a half weeks in Denver, Colorado. And I was also in Miami where my dad lives visiting friends and family. And I took a huge hiatus from the internet. I didn't go completely radio silent, but I was just like, nope, we're done. I don't, I don't want to be on the internet. I don't, it's become a disgusting dark place. I had to close down my fucking TikTok for many reasons, but most of all, like just personal safety on that app just felt like it wasn't possible. I, but honestly, 
Coming back to this, I have to tell you guys, I was getting in my own fucking way. And this whole week that I've been back in Israel, I've been getting in my own way. And you know what? It's a new year and I want to start just fucking doing shit. Because I'll be honest with you guys, I'm a total fucking perfectionist. I also have a lot of issues with procrastination and fear of failure, fear of success. There's so much going on in this brain at any given time that is limiting me and that is making excuses. And I have had on my to-do list, which I'm staring at right now, it's right next to me, record podcast episode, write podcast episode outline. And I couldn't bring myself to fucking do it until I finally said, bitch, stop making fucking excuses. Turn on the camera, plug in the microphone and press fucking record. I feel so raw. I feel so vulnerable. Guys, I don't even know what the fuck to even say. What is there to say? There's been so much that we have experienced since the last time we were here together on this podcast. I don't even have a stitch of makeup on right now. (laughs) My background isn't even aesthetic whatsoever. This microphone that I just bought that I'm trying to learn how to use, I hope it fucking sounds good. But I I just don't fucking care anymore because you know what? The only thing that matters right now is putting one foot in front of the other. And one of the only things that is helping me carry on right now is our hostages, is doing it for them. I cannot even fucking begin to imagine the absolute horrors, living hell, nightmare that they are going through right now. And I can tell you right now, we will not stop until they are home. Just today, just today, in fact, we found out that two more of our hostages were murdered by Hamas. I couldn't even bring myself to fucking turn on the camera and record this, but you know what? Their horror, their hatred, their inhumanity means that we have to show up that much harder. We have to show up that much stronger. And I will not fucking stop until my last breath fighting for our hostages. That's the only thing that matters. And you know what? I don't really even have anything super eloquent to say other than that. Do it for them. If you're having a hard time, if you're feeling like shit, if you just don't want to put one foot in front of the other, if you can't even get out of bed, if nothing else motivates you today, do it for them. Do it for their families. Show the fuck up. That's all that matters right now. And that's the only fucking thing that is literally helping me put one foot in front of the other. Is them. Life is too fucking short. If we have learned anything since October 7th, we have learned that we don't have any guarantees. It could have been us. Life was taken from so many people that day. And 
has continued to be taken from so many people since. And sometimes I'm just at a loss for words. Usually I try to be an eloquent person with research thoughts and ideas and points to make. And I don't even fucking have that today. I don't have that today. But you know what? I'm going to show up because the more these inhumane, Jew-hating motherfuckers show up and try to bring us down and dim our light, the harder I need to show up, the harder you need to show up, the harder we all need to show up. And that's it. That might be the whole fucking premise of this this episode. That's all I got. Actually, I think we'll get into more stuff, but don't you worry. That's it. They're my only motivation. And beyond that, nothing else matters. When I came back to Israel, I realized after three and a half weeks in the U.S., It's really, it was a really interesting experience because when you're here, we're so much more entrenched in the war. Obviously, it's happening here. It's going on here. And there's so many reminders every single place you look. And that's a good thing. I'm not not saying that's bad. It, It needs to be. Our whole entire focus, like I said, needs to be our hostages and they need to be at the forefront of our mind every single fucking moment. But I I left Israel, and I was honestly so scared to leave Israel, which sounds crazy because there's an actual fucking war going on here. But I was really, really scared to go to the U.S. and 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 see and feel the anti-Semitism and and be away from my people and from life and from what was happening here. I have this weird paranoia about leaving Israel, especially during times like this, and um. I didn't I didn't want to leave. I was super reluctant. I was like I can't I can't lose sight of of this place and what's happening here and disconnect from it. And then I went to the states for three and a half weeks and you know, you're just you're just not as inundated with it. You don't walk down the street and see yellow ribbons everywhere and posters. I mean, I guess maybe in some places you do, but those posters are usually getting torn down by anti-Semitic maniacs in major cities across the world, unlike here. I was just scared to leave. And I went to the US and I was just like, not disconnected from this in any way, because there there obviously has not been a single day that has gone by, even a moment that has gone by where we have not thought about our hostages and our soldiers and the war and the rise in anti-Semitism around the world. But you don't feel it in the same way in, in the US, obviously. And to be honest, it did kind of give me a chance to to realize what's important, what the mission is, what I need to focus on. Um, and and it was just crazy because like life just kept turning. Life just keeps turning. And for us, it's like October 103rd. And for the rest of the world, it just keeps going on. It's just like, it's Christmas, it's New Year's, it's it's all these things. And for the rest of us, we're just stuck. We're stuck on that day. For me, I feel like, and I'm sure so many of you guys can relate, I, I don't need, I feel like life is on pause. And I know it keeps turning. I know it keeps going. I know the sun is rising and setting and time is passing and it, Every single minute that we are not without our hostages feels like a fucking lifetime. And I don't know. It's so fucking messy. Life has gotten so messy. Here we are. You might be hearing background noises. It is what it is because that's life right now. And I realized 
in this whole experience, there's a lot of things I've realized, and we're going to unpack a lot of this as we continue to show up here on the podcast and get back to recording. But I have the gift of life, and that is something that has been robbed from so many in such brutal, heinous, inhumane ways. And I'm still living, and I have to put one foot in front of the other and just keep fucking going. And show the fuck up as a proud Jew, as a proud Israeli, as a proud Zionist, as a proud woman, no matter what. No matter what I look like, no matter if it's aesthetic or not, no matter if I feel like it, no matter if it's hard, I have to keep showing up. We all do. We all do. It's so important. And... We have to show up to help people. We have to give with our whole hearts. We have to be generous and we cannot lose sight of our intentions. And we have to do it for our hostages. We have to do it for our soldiers. We have to do it for the Jewish people. We cannot give up. We cannot lose sight. We must keep going. And with that, I want to switch to a topic that, first of all, I fucking love you guys, especially if you're following me over on Instagram at Margo Explains It All. I asked you guys in a recent poll as I returned slowly to the internet, I asked you guys what kind of content you want to see. And so many of you replied with daily life in Tel Aviv. And we're going to unravel a lot of that on the podcast. But another thing you guys really, really wanted me to talk about... (laughs) naturally, is dating during a war and sex during a war. Do you guys remember that episode of Sex in the City where Carrie had no material to write about because she wasn't dating and she wasn't having sex? I am a sex podcaster with nothing to say about it because I have not wanted to date or be sexual in any regard since October 7th. Can anyone relate? And I'll be honest with you, it is so hard for me to admit this because especially on this podcast, I'll be the first one to say, have a roster, go out and get get laid, like sex this, sex that. Not around here, not these days. Nope, nope. I can't even think about it. It's crossed my mind here and there. I wish I had more advice to give you guys because I know a lot of you are out here getting laid and I love that for you. I love that for you. It's not my era. It's not my time right now. (laughs) I just can't. I'm not there. It'll come back though. You know, I'm just kind of in the winter of my sex life. And just like all seasons, they change and I'll be, I'm sure I'll be back at it again, but just haven't wanted to, haven't wanted to date, haven't even felt like myself, haven't felt sexy, haven't felt Feminine, haven't felt any of that stuff in a really long time. I can tell you that it's slowly starting to come back, but I just can't bring myself to it. And you know what? We need to talk about sexual trauma. I think I'm just going to come out and say it. I think so many of us have been experiencing a level of just knowing what we know about Hamas's rape and torture of Israeli women And we've even heard reports of Israeli men since October 7th. And on October 7th, 
mentally, I'm just not there. I just can't. It's, it didn't, and it didn't even happen to me. Although a lot of us are survivors of sexual abuse and assault and harassment, um, none of those things happened to me. And, but I cannot get the thought of the torture that has befallen these women since October 7th and on October 7th off my mind. And it's made me completely uninterested in sex. And I by no means am here to try to get sympathy for that. Oh, poor me. I'm not horny anymore. No, it's not that. I'm just, this is the sex and relationships podcast of Tel Aviv, of Israel. This is, this is, this is, this is where we have to say it. This is kissing Tel Aviv. We can't talk about it here. We can't talk about it anywhere. You know what I mean? I just haven't felt sexual since October 7th, especially knowing what all of those women went through. Being raped and tortured and, you know, seeing the images of women being dragged by their hair and beaten by mobs of men and their naked bodies defiled and tortured and spit on and treated like absolute objects by the rapists of Hamas. I can't get those images out of my mind. And it's honestly made me completely uninterested in sex. Seeing women being dragged from Jeeps with blood between their legs after being tortured and humiliated and traumatized. And I just can't. I, anyone else? I wish I had more sexy things to talk about. Maybe I will soon. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I don't think I've been on a date since October 7th. That takes a lot for me to admit in order to be able to give you guys updates and advice and keep it current and keep it fresh. I love dating. I love it. I love Israeli guys. I love it all. I love going out on dates. I love being part of Tel Aviv's sexy, yummy, delicious, vibrant dating culture. But I have benched myself. I just can't bring myself to do it. I I, I went on Tinder like a couple months ago and I was just like, I can't. What am I doing here? What am I doing here? But I will say that I know a lot of you are getting it on and I'm happy to hear that. I've seen a lot of really funny interactions happening on dating apps and a lot of people have been fucking like crazy. And I know that I sound like a huge hypocrite right now because I have an episode called War Makes People Horny. And I will say at the beginning, at the very beginning when like I don't know what was going on. Like I was I was texting and sending some dirty shit to my fuck buddy at the time. Haven't talked to him in months. But now, nope, nothing. Crickets, crickets. I will say though, there is nothing hotter, because I've experienced this in the past, than welcoming home a soldier from Miluim. And I know a lot of you guys are doing that. Even at the beginning of the war, I was I was talking to a bunch of soldiers. I was volunteering for Citizens Kitchen, which were providing tons and tons of meals for our soldiers. And I put my phone number on a box, um, on, on every single box that I packed and was talking to all these soldiers. And then I realized they're all like 24 
um, I'm 35 and I just, as fun as it was to flirt with them and like, ah, I just can't, I just couldn't, I just couldn't. As much as I support our troops, um, I need us to be in the same, like at least generation, you know, I'm, I, I don't think I could fuck a Gen Z. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, if you're getting it on, I'm happy for you. Go out and make Jewish babies because I don't want to and I'm not going to right now. So please do it for me, okay? And report back. Maybe I need to start having more guests on the show who can tell me about their sex lives because I don't have one right now. And that's by choice. That is by choice. I'm not an incel. I'm not involuntarily celibate, but I ain't fucking. Maybe there's something empowering in that. I don't know. I'll try to find lessons in that. I will say, though, despite the lack of actual sex, there was one interesting interaction that I had with a guy back in December. And I won't go into too much because I don't really want to blow up this person's spot. But this person was one of the coolest guys that I think I have met in so long. If like I don't even, I can't remember the last time I met a guy this cool. You know when you have those nights where you're just, you're just having an ugly night and you just don't want to go out and you're not feeling it, but your friends are like, come on out, come out, come on out. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. So it was one of those nights and I decided to go out and, and I'm really glad that I did because I ended up meeting this very, very cool guy. And bro, you know who you are if you're listening to this. Okay. Here it is. And I would say we hit it off immediately. It was someone that I, that I had known before. And then we finally met in person and I had not had this much fun with a dude in a really long time. And all we did was like walk up and down Parque Mesilla and talk till like three in the morning. And I felt like this person like had just a lot of things in common with me and was able to just kind of understand my vibe. And I don't, I don't often meet guys that I can relate to in terms of like sense of humor Um, I'm not trying to sound like a pick me right now, but sometimes, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, sometimes, especially if there's a language barrier, like my humor doesn't translate as well. And that wasn't an issue with this person whatsoever. And it was just super fucking refreshing. Our time together had an expiration date. Okay. We'll just say that. It was really cool to get to know this person. And I was, woo, for this dude. Ultimately, I understood that they are not emotionally available whatsoever. And they don't live in this country either. So therefore, they're not physically available at at all. And it really helped me unveil a lot of stuff that I've been trying to work through for a really long time that I didn't quite realize was holding me back in my dating life. And that is that I am attracted to emotionally unavailable men. Ta-da! Happy fucking new year. (laughs) But I finally made the resolution, even before the new year started, that we are no longer attracted to emotionally unavailable men. You know what? It's okay if someone needs to be emotionally unavailable. I'm currently emotionally unavailable, which could be part of the reason why I'm attracted to people who have that same thing going on. I am no longer actively attracted to that. I used to be. I used to be, I was. You know why? Because if I found myself with an emotionally unavailable person, that meant that I could always control the ending. He's not emotionally available. So therefore, if it, I, I, could, I could predict that it was going to end. 
And I realized that that was my, oh, rocket alarms. I have a screen on in the background and we just got some rocket alerts. Not here in Tel Aviv. The siren's not currently going off here in Tel Aviv, but um, it is in areas in the South. Thank you, fucking Hamas. You guys don't have money for food or medicine or infrastructure to help Gazans and civilians, but you sure do have enough money for rockets. Thanks, Iran. Go fuck yourself. Anyways, what the hell was I saying? Why am I attracted to emotionally unavailable guys? I think a lot of us have this in common. I think it's because I always know that there is an expiration date because I think I have a fear of intimacy and I have a fear of letting someone really, really get to know the, the real me. So if they're emotionally unavailable, then they never have to see the messiness. Or if they're physically unavailable, maybe they live in another city or there's an expiration date. That's also a pattern. But when I and with an emotionally unavailable person, I never have to let my guard down that much. I never have to let them in that much. It also stems from, I'm, I'm gonna be super vulnerable with you guys and let you in on a little bit of the dynamic of my parents. My parents divorced when I was one year old in 1989. Shout out Taylor Swift. And they are incredible co-parents. They remained friends, they remained in touch, they remained very, very close, even though they were divorced. Uh, my dad, he is very, very active in my life. He is not by any means a distant father. He is a very connected father and loves me unconditionally. Both my parents do. And despite their differences and despite the fact that they didn't make it work as a married couple, they still made it work as parents. And I am so fucking blessed and grateful for that. And I cannot begin to say like kudos to my parents. They're fucking amazing. And at the same time, that dynamic meant that I only got to see my dad a couple times a year. Now, I'm not here to say poor little me because some people have lost their fathers. I am not sitting here trying to sound like a little victim over here because I only got to see my dad a couple times a year. That's a huge blessing. And I recognize that. This pattern developed. When I got to see my dad, it was the best and it was like the best, whatever, three weeks ever. And we would spend all of this quality time together. And then it, boom, it would end. And then we were far away from each other again. And then it would happen again where we would get to see each other again. And it was wonderful. And my mom and dad and I were a family unit again. And we would spend all this time together. And then, boom, it would end again. And it would go from feast to famine. And I realized that dynamic plays out a lot in my romantic life, and it has formed my attachment style, which is mostly, it's like 90% anxious, 10% avoidant. And I have an anxious attachment style because I worry that like, okay, we're together now, but what happens when you leave? When am I going to see you? When am I going to get to see this person again? And I freak out and I self-sabotage and it's a whole thing. And that's, I really do think that's where that dynamic stems from. And that's why I'm attracted to emotionally unavailable people. Guys who don't live in the same city as me or guys who are only available here and there. Or I have these, I've had my, like my ex situationship, you know, we would, we would see each other and we would have this like intense, like just crazy meetings. And we would spend crazy amounts of like the time we spend together, we would just 
fuck each other's brains out and like is it weird that I just was talking about my dad and now I'm talking about fucking some guy's brains out? <sighs> Whatever. Life's a mess. Get over it. Um, we would see each other and we would just like binge on each other. And then I wouldn't talk to him for two more weeks. My most recent fuck buddy, he was very clear. He was like, this will not turn into a relationship. We are not going to date. And I was like, ah, slay, sign me up. Ah. And I really want to end that. I really want to break that cycle which I'm trying to work on. I'm trying to open up. I'm trying to be a little soft girl. I'm trying to be, oh, open my heart. I don't know how the fuck to do that. <laughs> I'm trying. We're no longer attracted to emotionally unavailable dudes. That pattern breaks. I, I don't know what it was, but something finally switched in my mind. It was like when I quit cigarettes. I was so fucking done being a smoker that finally my body was just like, no, we don't do that anymore. You no longer want cigarettes. I will try and offer some more sound advice on how to break those types of patterns. We'll unpack this more in future episodes, but this is just something that I've been going through and that crush on that guy taught me a lot. We're going to start to recognize the signs and we're going to, we're going to try and unlearn those patterns in 2024. At least I am. Who's with me? Another helpful thing that I learned from this like two week crush was how sexy it is when someone is self-actualized. And I really was able to focus my energy on the type of person I want to attract, the type of guy I am attracted to and want to attract. So not only did he help me realize that I no longer am attracted to unavailable people, but this person was incredibly self-actualized. What does that mean? Self-actualization is the process, and I think it's a never-ending process, of actually using your talents and gifts to your full potential. And I truly believe that this guy is doing that. And it was so fucking sexy to witness that and to watch that. And it was really inspiring. And um, this person really illuminated a lot of blind spots in like areas that I could be pushing myself even harder. And that was super inspiring. And I want a partner who inspires me, who pushes me, who I can look at and be like, fuck yeah, like that's my man. And that person is doing what they need to do, you know? Um, and I made a list of a lot of different things that I'm attracted to. And one of them right now that I really want to manifest in a partner is self-actualization. Someone who is living up to their fullest potential. Or even if they're not quite there yet, they're trying. They're doing the damn thing. That is something that, wow, he set the bar really high for that. So if you're listening to this, you know who you are. Keep doing you, boo, because you're doing great at it. I'm going to share that list with you guys in the next episode. So be sure and tune in. And at this point, I feel like if you've gotten to this point in the episode, it may have been a little messy. We didn't do any segments. We didn't do any of that stuff. But there may have been some rambling. There may have been some background noise, but we did it. Guys, we did it. This is your reminder that if you feel stuck, if you feel like you cannot get out of bed, like life is so dark. I just want to remind you whatever it is that you need to do, 
if you cannot find the motivation to do it, do it for our hostages. Do it for them. Do it for them. And with that said, this brings us to the end of the return episode of Kiss in Tel Aviv. I am so fucking grateful for you guys for listening. If you're watching this, please, I'm not going to say forgive my appearance because I was crying all afternoon because of the war. We're just showing up as we are. Enough is enough. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for helping me be a little bit more vulnerable and authentic on this episode. And I really am excited to be back. This feels good. It feels good to have the mic on. It feels good to be recording this. And here's to 2024. Happy New Year. Fuck Hamas and do it for the hostages. I love you guys. This has been another episode of Kiss in Tel Aviv, and we'll catch you guys in the next one. Mwah.